Hello, and welcome to She Leads Her Life podcast. I am Jenna Schneider, your host, and I am so excited today to have two of my very good friends with us today and people that I have always looked up to. Um, we have Jenny Eustace and Melissa McGee. I'm actually going to let them introduce themselves because they would probably do an even better job than I would. So let's kick it off to Jenny. Go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. So exciting. <laughs> um, hey everyone, my name is Jenny Eustace and I am the coach at the University of Iowa for the dance team. Um, I'm going into my 12th season with the Hawkeyes and uh, I grew up around dance my entire life. Uh, I'm originally from Minnesota and I grew up dancing at a studio there and my high school dance team, uh, Wyzetta, Go Trojans. And I <laughs> at the University of Minnesota and then uh, ended up at Iowa via my husband who was a wrestler at the university and have been coaching there ever since and you know in my spare time I also teach biology at Iowa City West High School and have two kiddos who are you know just embarking on their sports life journey so every day is an adventure. <laughs> I love it. Jenny and Melissa are incredible coaches, and I'm so excited that they're here today talking about everything leadership and where we're at today. And let's go on over to Melissa McGee. Melissa, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Melissa McGee, like Jenna said. Um, I am a Buckeye born and bred. Um, I'm from Ohio, uh, from Toledo, Ohio, which is actually right at the border. Um, came to Ohio State for undergrad um, and actually started coaching the year after I graduated. Um, so that was an interesting transition. Um, but 10 years later, I'm still here. Uh, so going into my 10th season coaching the dance team um, and also work at the university in more of a leadership student athlete development capacity as well. Awesome. Awesome. What I always like to kick off the episode with is always asking my guests where their head and where their heart is in the current state of things. Melissa, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. I found it. Um, I think it's a complicated question right now. Um, I'll start with my heart, I suppose. Um, cause usually I'm a head person, but I, it's sort of time right now. Um, I have found my heart sort of leading um, me more than my head. I'm usually a very analytical person, but I think with kind of where we are in society and um, the landscape of both a pandemic um, and the current events that have occurred, it's just been um, interesting. So I, I think my heart would be hopeful um, is kind of like the best word I would have um, that the change in, in equality that we want to see is on the horizon and hopeful that we are getting the pandemic under control and hopeful for hopefully a little bit of return to normalcy in the sense of daily operations. Um, that's where my heart is. My head is all over the place <laughs> trying to make 72 plans for um, every sort of situation and update that we get. Um, so I would say my head feels very scrambled, but my heart remains hopeful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jenny, how about you? I would echo a lot of the things that Melissa just said. Um, 
And I try, I guess, anyone that knows me, I think my big why is always just to be, you know, that positive force in people's lives, um, whether it's my own children, my students, or my athletes. And so, you know, that I think is the one thing that I have kept coming back to over the past couple of months is, you know, trying to find the opportunities in these very strange times that we're in. Um, whether it's an opportunity to spend more time with your family or the opportunity to listen and seek to understand people that we maybe have ignored in the past. Um, And so I think that's been huge for me is just seeking learning and seeking understanding and and trying to just see the positive in every situation. Um, Now, there's definitely been days where I've just laid in bed and put myself under the covers and tried to ignore everything. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I have to look at, you know, as a leader, is that the best example for the people that are around me? And is that the best thing for myself? And so I've, I've just really tried and it's hard a lot of times to see those opportunities, but I definitely have better days when I have that mindset. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Both of you are such incredible leaders. What is hard right now as a leader? It's everything. (laughs) My people, (laughs) you know, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I get energy from people, from being surrounded by people Um, as a teacher and as a coach, like we're selfishly, like we're missing out on the rewarding aspects of our jobs, right? Like as a teacher, I don't get to see that aha moment or I don't get to read the room and the body language because I'm teaching a virtual on a virtual platform. Um, as a coach, you know, building relationships in this way with new team members is challenging. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the hardest part for me right now is not being around my people and getting the energy mm-hmm. from the room. Absolutely. Yeah. But you, Melissa. And you know, like, yeah, I mean, you know, um, Rob is one of my favorite people from ProAction, and he always says, you know, leadership's eye to eye, heart to heart. And I like that first time I heard that, it very much resonated with me in the sense of like, I would much rather have a conversation with someone than like write out an email. I'm just very much that person that really relies on that. And I think I've realized more than anything how much energy is important to me. And like someone's energy when they walk into a room to when we circle up at the end of a practice and feeling the energy, like sometimes people don't even have to speak and you already know what's going on. And I realized now more than ever how much I rely on that to inform and almost lead like my behaviors and actions as a coach. So Zoom is great and I'm grateful that we have a platform. It's better than nothing, but it just is not the same. I miss the like eye to eye, heart to heart, come give me a hug. I'm very much that person with my kids um, on the team. So I really miss that um, aspect of, of coaching. Absolutely. Melissa, what do you think if there's a silver lining behind all of this, what would the silver lining be for you? Um, Definitely on a personal level. I think since the moment I graduated, I have not stopped. I worked in corporate America for eight years and coached a team and literally was clocking 80 hour a week, you know, working 80 hours a week for eight years. So last 
passion was a little bit of a shift for me, but not really. Like anytime you're coaching, you're, you're around the clock. So I think the silver lining is having space and time. I don't think I would have ever taken this much space and time to reconnect with people, particularly my family and being able to go home for, I think I went home for seven weeks. I haven't done that since mm, late 2000s. (laughs) So (laughs) I think the silver lining for me is like a a pause moment and like connection Mm -hmm. with my family and friends that I would have never self-imposed ever, Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Jenny, how about you? Yeah, I would, I definitely would agree with what Melissa said. Um, You know, I I feel like most days I have three full-time jobs and, (laughs) you know, I think it's a struggle. That's because you do actually. Well, I do. Okay. (laughs) I don't, I don't feel it's real. Um, You know, and there's a lot of days where I don't feel adequate at any of them. And I think, you know, partially it's because of time. Um, And I really believe in all three of my jobs, whether it's teaching, coaching, and being a mom. And so um, I think that this has also given me some time and space to understand what about each of those things is incredibly important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that will be very helpful moving forward, like going back into the classroom, what is really important that I do with my students. Um, when my team comes back on campus, you know, what are the things that I really miss that I want to make sure that I do? Um, and then I think on a personal note with my kids, like their activities also shifted to an online platform. And I feel like I got to understand them way better as learners. Mm -hmm. Um, my daughter's in dance and, um, I, I purposefully, you know, did not uh, put myself in her world of dance because I wanted her to have her own experience, Um, you know, but being able to coach her a little bit and help her a little bit um, in a very non-threatening way, I think has really been cool that I kind of said, I can't do anything because I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, make her not love it or, um, you know, scare her away from it. And I think it's actually been very exciting and cool to see her grow as a dancer and be able to help a little bit in that process. Oh, I love that, Jenny. I love that. (laughs) How you talked a little bit about your teams. Now, both of your teams are selected already for this upcoming season. Jenny, what have you been doing with your team thus far? Yeah, so I think that's maybe another silver lining is that in the past, um, I have dancers from all over, so they're not from Iowa City. And so I try to be very respectful of their time in the summer. And so we get together, you know, we try to get together once a month. So a weekend in May, a weekend in June, and then come back for camp in July so that they have time to have internships or go to summer school or have a job. Um, and you know, we can't even have those weekends. And so we've actually been doing weekly Zooms. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in some ways we are a little more ahead of schedule, if you will, because instead of saying, you know, every week you're learning two to three sidelines, it's every week you're learning two to three sidelines, and then we're going through them together. Mm-hmm. And talking about what it is that we'd be doing on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And it's 
I feel like it's, I hope it's going to be less overwhelming, especially for the new people, because, you know, if we would come back together for a practice weekend, I would expect them to have learned, you know, 10 to 12 sidelines. And we know I'm a procrastinator, (laughs) you know, so I would be the child that learned all of them on the Thursday before we reported on Friday. And Hmm. that's go very well. Right. And so I think it's been helpful from an accountability standpoint that we've been able to have these weekly conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I would say that was really important to me kind of like right when this all hit and, you know, we were like, Oh, we're, we're packing up in the middle of spring semester. (laughs) Okay. Um, Got it. Let's figure out that plan. And, um, that was like the very, that was the thing that was very, um, kind of stood out to me from the, the get-go is just like providing them structure through like an unchartered territory was really important. And so I think similar to Jenny, done like weekly um, calls, we've done a little bit of like a book together that we were planning to do anyway. And it just happened to be something we could mm-hmm. continue to do virtually, which has been a little bit of a nice silver lining um, for us to have something to connect with, especially with new people um, who have never been in the same room together ever uh, yet. Um, so yeah, we've been more of on a weekly, more of a meeting structure and sprinkling and dancing as we go. Mm-hmm. Pandemic aside, right? What does effective leadership look like to you, Melissa? This is a loaded question that I know we could talk a lot about. We could do a whole podcast on this. But what does effective leadership look like to you? Yeah, it is definitely a loaded question. Um, I would say just because it can be interpreted so many different ways. Mm -hmm. But I guess when I think about effectiveness, it's um, trying to produce a result, an intended result. Like that to me is like being effective. So like from a coaching lens, I think about it as like trying to make an impact on people's lives. Like that's what I believe effective coaching is. Um, And I have probably realized over the past 10 years of coaching that it um, effectiveness really depends by each person. So I think being an effective leader actually means tailoring your leadership style to get the desired result out of each individual human that you have to lead and come in contact with. And that is very tricky and very hard, but I think the most effective leaders that come to my mind are the people that have the ability to read the situation and tailor their approach to get the desired results that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I love that. Let's shift over to Jenny. Retweet. Um, (laughs) Retweet. Melissa mentioned earlier uh, Rob Miller, and he's also, I mean, I think we could talk about him. You should get him on your podcast. Mm -hmm. I should, you guys. I have to reach out. It would be fantastic to have. (laughs) Yes. Um, But, you know, he talks about the definition of great teams. Um, and I think, you know, Melissa and I are talking about this probably more, more so from the coaching perspective than anything else. Yeah. Um, but great teams, two things define them. They reach potential and teammates stay with you for life. 
And so I think as a leader, like it's my effective leadership is, you know, do, does my team reach potential and do I foster an environment where they have relationships outside of and far beyond mm-hmm. um, pro- the program walls? And so I think, you know, what can I do? I, I, I hear this as like a reflective question, you know, how am I, how am I effective? And I think if I've done those two things, then mm-hmm. I've done my job. I used to think when I was a baby coach, like it was winning, right? Like you are yeah. by winning a national championship. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, <laughs> obviously not everybody can do that. And so, you know, there's only one team that's going to win a national championship per year, but at the end of the day, um, you know, are we producing human beings that are going to go out into the world and be amazing people? I think mm-hmm. that's a huge component. Absolutely. Jenny, what have been some of the biggest lessons you have learned throughout your coaching journey? <laughs> oh my goodness. How much time? question number two. <laughs> how, many, how much time do we have? I know. Um, so I think what I just mentioned, first of all, is that you know, I'm a very competitive person and I was very competitive when I was an athlete. And so I think like that was really hard for me to learn as a coach that I can't want it more than they do. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the same thing with teaching. Like mm-hmm. I want my students to love biology and to want to go on and become biologists. But at the end of the day, that's not, I can't want it more than they want it. And so I think that that has been, that was a huge lesson very early on um, because I would get so frustrated that I was putting in all this time and effort. And from my perspective, they weren't, but in actuality, like that was, that's what they wanted to do. Right. Um, The other thing I think is just being um, communicating, being a communicator. And I was very terrible at that because it wasn't something that I needed as an athlete and it wasn't something that I was raised around. It was, you know, put your nose down, do the work and good things will come to you. And I didn't need to know why I didn't need to know, you know, I necessarily didn't, I didn't necessarily even need to know what I just needed to know, do it. and I did it. Right. Um, But as Melissa talked about earlier, you know, being able to, tailor and differentiate your coaching style mm-hmm. to individual athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think that's something that you can't stop learning mm-hmm. because you're going to have new people every year in your program. And, you know, if you just lump your kids into one category or another, it's not going to work. And so I feel like I'm still learning that lesson is, okay, this person needs this and this person needs that. And mm-hmm. being able to communicate effectively with them, um, I think has been huge as well. Absolutely. I do want to unpack that. We'll get to Melissa right after this, but I want to unpack something that you said that was somewhat of a light bulb moment for me because Jenny, Melissa, and I are somewhat around the same generation of growing up and when we were athletes and when we had coaches and how we were parented and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that is so very true about... I was taught you don't ask questions, you respect authority, but that it was the hard work that was going to amplify your results. And so now pivoting into the generation that 
were leading and coaching is looks very different today and how do we pivot and stick to our values and morals and beliefs about leadership but also then adhere to how they react and communicate well to that jenny how have you adjusted with that um she smiles think, <laughs> <laughs> well no i'm kidding um i think it's getting the team invested in the process and so like i mentioned communicating i've just learned that i have to my kids have to understand the why they have to understand the how you know we have to and we have to come to it together mm -hmm. right it can't just be me standing up in front of this team and saying like this year we are going to win a national championship mm -hmm. and that it's just going to happen right yeah. um because in my mind i know what that looks like feels like sounds like but i don't and some of my kids they are that way right if i tell them to jump they say how high when where you know but i think for a lot of our student athletes like they want to be invested they want to have a voice you know they are coming to the table with a whole host of training that i never had mm -hmm. so I think that's a huge part of it is, you know, allowing them to have a voice in the process, allowing, you know, we do team goal setting. And then not only do we set goals, but then we talk about, okay, if this is our goal, how are we going to get there? And then not only how are we going to get there, but what are you going to do? What am I going to do along the way to make sure that that happens? Um, and then constantly coming back to it. And that was, that's one thing that my husband always does a great job of reminding me because I'll say, you know, I said this one time and you know, why don't they, why don't they keep doing that? And he's like, you have to be the broken record. Yeah. The more they hear it, the more likely it is that it's going to happen. And so I think you know, we talk way more at practice now than we did when I first started coaching. Cause when I first started coaching, it was okay, here's the music, let's go. Mm -hmm. And okay, here's what we want to accomplish. Here's how we're going to accomplish it. You know, what are my expectations for you? What are your expectations for me? Um, and in all honesty, it sounds like a lot, but I think it definitely makes everything so much more efficient. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melissa, kicking it over to you, what have been some of the biggest lessons you have learned? Yeah. I mean, I definitely would have said communication would probably be at the top of the list um, in terms of, of lessons I've learned and how to be effective in that regard. I would say like outside of that, for me, it's been realizing that um, you sort of need to develop your own unique individual coaching style and a one size fits all does not exist, nor should there be that like perception that, okay, when I came in as a, whatever, I was 21, 22 year old head coach looking at like, okay, what does success look like? And trying to emulate that, that was actually the like exact wrong approach, like learning about other people's coaching styles, what's working for them, but then developing your own. And even if that's different than what everyone else's looks like is okay. Um, and that was very hard for me because I felt like a lot of times like, well, I would never do it that way, but like this person's successful. So maybe I should. Um, and I kind of had to get out of that rhythm a little bit and figure out, do some trial and error of like finding my lane, uh, for lack of a better term, and still feel like 
um, continuously improving and changing and evolving is really important. Um, because I think the moment you think you have it figured out or you know it all, uh, something is going to like come slam you and the other door is going to come at your face. So mm, absolutely. And you <laughs> both do that so beautifully. You really do. What inspires both of you? Jenny, we'll go to you first. Oh, goodness. In what way? Well, let's see. <laughs> what inspires you to lead others well? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I honestly, and we talked about this, like what I've, what I feel like I've struggled with most. And I think, you know, just watching the work ethic and drive of other people and especially um, the, the youth, right? Like my students and my athletes and, you know, I'm inspired by my freshman day. Like I have a senior this year and her freshman year, she came in and she was fearless, you know? So when a choreographer would say, I need someone to try this, mm -hmm. Split. you know everyone was kind of like oh no what is she talking about and this girl over in the corner is like already in the split <laughs> yeah that, that is what I'm talking about oh right? my gosh I love those kids so much yeah. <laughs> and so I think the kids who are fearless mm -hmm. and you know not necessarily that they know exactly what's going to happen or that they know exactly what they want to do in their lives but I think, you know, those kids who are just willing to try that to me is why I am inspired to continue to coach and to continue to teach because they see possibility. They see what can happen and they're not afraid to, to just dip their toe in the water and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Melissa, what yeah, inspired my you, girl? My head actually first went to uh, my family. Like my, you guys both are my mom. Um, oh my gosh, I love you. You know what? I need <laughs> to have your mom on this podcast. You do. Yes, I hope she you would do it. Right? I mean, she's oh yeah, phenomenal. I love her. Yeah. So my both my parents were coaches. My mom um, was a guidance counselor as well. My dad was an athletic director. So I feel like for me, I sort of had this, this like very. Um, like real case study that I was living of seeing them like invest their heart and souls. It was never a nine to five job for them ever um, in their like student athletes. And then now they've grown up, come back and seeing that payoff of them actually like impacting their life, finding their purpose has been so fun for me to watch. And I think that's kind of the goal or, or you know, what inspires you to like, really invest and in, not clock in and clock out because mm -hmm. it doesn't really work that way per se. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yes, I will for sure have your mama because we had her on one of our dance coach Academy trainings. We had her do a training yeah. session and I'm not kidding you guys. That was one of my favorite sessions we have ever had. <laughs> She's just a ball of energy, but she has such good words of wisdom too. What yep. I always like to ask my guests, what are some of your favorite books that you're reading? Melissa, let's go to you first. Yeah, I um I've read a couple of different books in the quarantine period. 
Um, I, um, this is probably not a surprise to many people, but I recently read a book called Radical Candor that I really appreciate. Um, it's a little out there. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but those you guys obviously know me, I believe in being very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm a little outspoken. So I, um, appreciated the point of view, um, which is not necessarily like a leadership book, but it is a little bit about communication and, mm-hmm. um, a fitness. Um, and then from like a leadership perspective, I've always liked John Gordon books and continue mm-hmm. to try and like read everyone that he can come out with. I just, there's something about how he writes that I very much can connect to. And I think it's the examples that he uses, but I really love his, his work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How about you, Jenny? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm an avid reader. Um, I love just to, I love reading as an escape. And mm-hmm. that's how I knew that I was very depressed during quarantine because there was a period of time where I read nothing. Mm-hmm. Literally for three weeks, like I couldn't even read. And that was very sad for me. However, mm-hmm. um, I got over it. So um, in terms of leadership books, uh, I love Culture Code. Um, it's by the same person that wrote Talent Code. Mm-hmm. Um, and Talent Code was actually a really hard read for me. And then, but Culture Code is more just about people and teams. And that was, it, I, it just really resonated with me. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Um, for my school, I was doing a book study um, and reading the book Fierce Conversations which again, like, as I talked about an area for me in communicating is huge. And I really like the book provides you frameworks of, you know, how to have really difficult conversations, which I think is huge in today's day and age to be able to, you know, advocate for yourself. And when you feel like something's not going well, um, it, it provides, you know, kind of step-by-step instructions, like here's what you need to make sure that is said. And, you know, here's what, what you need to make sure you listen for. And, you know, even though I read it in an educational context, I also feel like it can apply to daily life or as well. Um, And then the last one I'll say, I just started, um, but was highly recommended by a friend of mine is called the art of gathering. Um, so just basically, you know, like how do we bring people together and how do we gather well? <laughs> so I'm, I, I just started it and it's just very interesting. Like uh, the author was talking about a dinner party and, and how to make sure you, how she crafted a successful dinner party. So it's just interesting and it's all about, you know, bringing in diverse perspectives and yeah. making sure you're not just in an echo chamber, listening. (laughs) I have one good one that I recently read that I think you both have either of you read Atomic Habits. I haven't, but I just actually, um, listened to a very short Ted talk, YouTube type video Mm -hmm. from the author and shared it with me. Yeah. So I I would recommend it to both of you just in especially coaching kids right now. And just, they talk a lot about being 1% better, Mm. what being 1% better can actually do. And sometimes we get so caught up in 
the big picture of the end result that we lose ourselves during the process and how important the process is and just breaking it down being 1% better each week. And what does that look like that you don't end up just focusing on the end results and some of it, I love to the book. It can be a little dry, but I thought it was <laughs> fantastic. So <laughs> awesome. Love it. What, um, what is your hope for the upcoming season, Melissa? Yeah, I mean, for me, the whole quarantine period and, um, again, like I said, with current events, I feel like um, I've been sort of preaching perspective and how powerful it can be. Like, you know, we just kind of go, at least for me, I went along my daily life taking for granted, being able to like show up to a practice um, or the things that I was afforded along the way. I just feel like my hope is that people would come back or develop now a different perspective. And I feel like that can be very powerful in um, helping a group come together, but just like personal development for each of the students that I coach or my friends or my family, just I'm, I'm optimistic that people's perspective on life and things that matter um, has shifted for the better a little bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Jenny. Yeah, I would echo that. And I would also say, um, I think there's a huge momentum right now for learning. Um, and I, and, you know, as a teacher, I geek out when, when people want to learn, right? When students find something and they're so interested in it and they just, ha they want to learn everything about it. And I think, you know, with the pandemic, my science side gets really excited because I feel like people really are, really have a desire to learn, like, what is a virus? How does disease spread? You know, how can we prevent infection and things like that? So my science brain is like, woohoo. Um, you know, and more recently with matter and systemic racism, um, you know, I had a call with my dancers last night and we spent 45 minutes talking about you know, what their thoughts are and how they're feeling and, and, you know, do they feel called to action or change? And, the majority of them said, I want to learn because what I have learned is I know, I don't know enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really powerful that we have this momentum of people's desire to learn more, like Melissa said about other perspectives. And so I hope that momentum continues. Um, and so then when we come back, it's not just like, okay, I'm done. I'm changed. I'm a new person. Um, but how can we continue to foster that learning as coaches and how can we you know how can we as people mm -hmm. that desire to, to never stop learning absolutely it's giving us a chance to put another lens on our learning and how we view the world it's beautiful mm -hmm. to close today talk about learning what are you learning about yourself through all of this jenny Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I think, well, like we talked about at the very beginning, our lives are nonstop. Um, and I'm very good at compartmentalizing my feelings mm -hmm. and kind of just putting them in the back corner, like way in the back under all the boxes. <laughs> 
and <laughs> about myself and here I am getting emotional. Um, I think recognizing that when I get emotional, it's because stuff like this really matters to me. Um, and I think that's huge. And, and also like being able to just talk to my kids about it, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to have the, disc- take the time, you know, because we never have enough time, but to take the time and talk to kids, like, why is it important that mm-hmm. we're quarantining, you know, and being able to talk about my parents and, you know, we're, we're, this is something we're doing for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, being in touch with my emotions is one. Um, but then Yay. using that in an effective way. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm emotional about it, it's because it means something to me. And if it means something to me, why does it mean something to me? And then, you know, being able to communicate and act um, going forward. So, yeah. And Jenny, I just have to say, too, this is why I look up to you so much and respect you so much is because you are, you're just like one big heart and that you care so much about so many people. And that's what the tears are. You're just one feeling. And I can empathize with that. Yes. One big ball of emotions. That's That's right. And that's what makes you a great leader too. Melissa. I concur. (laughs) (laughs) You concur. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that anytime you have space, at least for me, like it's very uh, introspective in terms of just like, mm-hmm. what am I learning about myself? What am I feeling that naturally occurs? I, I think for me, I've been very, um, I don't know, I just sort of have realized how much certain things are a part of my identity that I have taken for granted for sure. And some of those things I might have been like, not ashamed, but definitely like, maybe not like super proud that I love work. Like I just love to work. That's always been a part of my identity. It's who I am. And I think for a really long time, I was like, I need to be more, I need to have something else or there's, you know, like that's not okay. And sort of have like very much so shifted that perspective in this time frame to be like, I feel very lucky that I get to do this and uh impact student athletes and um rather than like hide that that is a part of who I am and very important to me sort of like recognize how much I missed it and just realize like that is me like whether I can't control it it's just you know I have to kind of like accept it and own it and really um use it as a platform Mm. to affect change in areas that I'm very passionate about but to not like downplay the fact that I'm a workaholic and I love to do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like who I am. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been like an interesting shift of like coming in nurse, but to a certain extent, like, yes, like it, there's a lot of people in my life that would be like, you work too much. You need to shut it off. You need to like, it's just not who I am and I don't want to be that person. So I think that that has sort of been a shift for me kind of mm-hmm. during this time and then really focusing on the bigger things in life that do matter to me and how can I use work, my work platform to make a change in those areas. Mm-hmm. That's so, so beautiful. And I think for all of us, 
Well, first of all, Melissa, that is why you as well are so successful is because when you do something, you put your whole heart and whole being into it and you don't, excuse my language, half asset. Everything, watching you as a coach and how you've grown your program, it's because you've put 100% into the entire process. The same goes with Jenny and um, that's why I'm just so honored that you both are on the podcast today to hear your perspective and how you're leading. And, um, I'm just really proud to be your friend. And I learned a lot from both of you and I am so excited for both of your seasons, no matter what they look like. <laughs> yes. Yes. We would love to get on to just see each other. <laughs> right. Right. Step one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you both for being here today. I love you both. And um, I hope we get to hug each other's necks sooner than later. Yeah.